Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one lively page of Talmud every day. And in today's pages, about 32 and 33, life itself is on the line. Have a listen. With regard, the Talmud tells us, to one who struck another with a stone or his fist and did not kill him, but caused him to be bedridden. It is written, If he rises and walks outside with his staff, he who struck him is absolved. Exodus 21.19 And could it enter your mind that this victim is walking in the marketplace and that aggressor is executed as a murderer? Rather, the verse teaches that one imprisons the aggressor while the injured party recuperates, and if he dies due to the blow he received, we kill him. This brings to mind one of the most controversial topics in American public life, one that I feel deeply passionate about, the death penalty. And it is my honor to welcome to the show Rabbi Benjamin Zober, a reform rabbi who feels as passionately as I do about this subject. Welcome to the show, Rabbi. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. So here we have a a frank Talmudic discussion of the notion of the viability of the death penalty. Uh, As someone who studied both the Talmudic implications of the death penalty and its far grimmer modern applications and implications, tell us a little bit, how how should we think about the subject? I I think that the Talmud really gives us a good frame for analyzing the modern death penalty because they've given it a lot more thought than most of us, even most of the people who are involved in the process, whether as legislators or lawyers or people who, in the end, are administering the death penalty. And it comes down to really the idea of what is what is our goal, that the Talmud really wants to avoid executing people. The Talmud's project in a lot of ways is bridging the gap between practice and the reality or what is written in the Torah. Uh, when, when the temple's destroyed, we can't do sacrifices. We can't do all sorts of things that we're supposed to do, all the more so when we're under control of Rome or another empire. And yet we have very clear, and of course, whenever you hear something in the law that is said to be clear, it means it's not clear at all. But we have, we have these... We have biblical uh, commands and ideas that ask us to do very specific things, including instituted death penalty. And so the work in the Talmud, in part, is how do we balance our obligation to do something like stone a rebellious child against the fact that the wider government doesn't want us doing that kind of thing, going around killing people based on our crazy laws and our ideas. And so we can look at what the the Talmud has done, what the rabbis and what our tradition has done as creating a very, very, very narrow set of circumstances in which we could actually execute someone. And it's also fair to, to say this is not because we were in exile or because of exigent circumstances. This is the way it's supposed to be. This is as legitimate as anything from from any point in Jewish tradition. But for us now, living in our world and trying to make sense of our moral guidance compared with what we see happening in society, we have a nearly impossible standard for the death penalty, that the number of hoops 
someone would have to jump through to to secure a, a conviction and execution is seemingly impossible. And it is so different than what we have in our modern American justice system. The impossibility in our justice system or the near impossibility is getting someone out. That it is so hard to reverse a conviction, even in the case of innocence, that's that's how we've kind of flipped it in our way. That it's it's not enough to save someone's life in proving that they're innocent. You have to do more, which is just mind-boggling. And when we look at the cases where where people have been exonerated or people have been acquitted uh, and and released, even even from death row to a lesser sentence, the amount of heroics, luck, and legal gymnastics is it's mind-boggling. And then we have to think, well, what happens to all the people who don't have that? People who are just as innocent, because innocent is one of the few things that is black or white. You did it or you didn't. If they don't have all of those opportunities and privileges, they have no chance. And then, of course, we have all of the all of the cases where someone did do something, but there are circumstances that say otherwise. And And we've been very late in the game in getting to what merits death. It was only in in the 2000s that the United States Supreme Court said that it was it was unconstitutional to execute someone with intellectual or mental disabilities. And we are still fighting and still litigating out what happens for someone who has uh, a serious or severe mental illness. So these things are going on to say nothing of the problems that we have with racial disparities, with economic disparities, and the myriad flaws in the system that create a, an environment where we're going to have these wrongful convictions that are then nearly impossible to undo. All right. So look, we are now in the United States in the top 10, I believe, indeed the top seven of all nations on earth in terms of executions. As of December of 2020, there are at least 2,500 convicts still on death row. So people who don't often uh, you know, stop to think about this topic, uh, who, who kind of want to be involved, or even lawmakers who want to rethink our attitude towards capital punishment, what kind of words of, of wisdom or advice can today's page, can the Talmud give them in really sort of recasting the way we consider the death penalty? I think that there is a there's there's a level of caution in the Talmud that we don't see in our system. That the the speed at which some people are arrested, tried, convicted, sentenced, and and even executed is astounding. And there are, there are, I'm thinking of cases, I'm thinking there's a case out of Ohio, a guy by the name of Kevin Keith. Prosecutors and law enforcement were given awards for how quickly they managed to find a vicious killer and try him and sentence him and convict him. The problem is that he's, he's, he's innocent. And he's, but, but for a bit of, of courage from, from uh, the, the governor at the time, he would have been executed. And now he, he's just sitting on in prison for the rest of his life for a crime he didn't commit. And I think that the Talmud, although the, the timing of trials and the legal system at that time would have been different and worked in a different way, there is this idea that, that we need to be cautious about this. And from this passage, it, it sort of holds the person in limbo and says, you've committed this crime. 
what happens to you is dependent on what happens to them. And it shows a willingness to wait on that. Of course, for the person who has, who has committed this crime, it's probably not a, not a great, uh, great relief, uh, knowing or thinking that they are, they're sitting in the, in the balance like this, but, but the person who has been injured is in even more of, uh, of a balance, more of a difficult spot, but that it doesn't immediately say, this is, this is what we're going to do. And we can't, do anything else because it recognizes that certain things can't be undone. And one of the most problematic things with the death penalty is that you can't go back. If you convict someone wrongfully, you can let them out of prison. You can't give them their time back, but they can get some some measure of relief. But if you execute someone, there's there's no return from that. And the fact that so many of the convictions uh, and death sentences in this country are overturned should give us real pause about doing it because there are people who have been executed who were innocent and there's no relief that we can give them or their families. And there's no real measure of justice for the families of the victims because they spend all of their time and energy focused on someone who did not commit the crime. And in most cases, when all is said and done, they don't go back to find the person or oftentimes the person who has actually committed the crime, if they figure out who it is, or know who it is, they may already be dead. And so the the idea that an execution offers any sort of justice is even uh, more more problematic and, and less less likely to really work. Rabbi Zober, thank you so much for joining us, for shedding light on this complicated issue, both from a contemporary perspective and a Talmudic perspective. And thank you so much for being our guest. Oh, you're welcome. It's 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 been an honor. This has been Take One. If you enjoy the show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we will be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi. Take One is a Tablet Studios production. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Rusquet and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sarah Fredman-Ader, Robert Scaramuccia, and Tanya Singer. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. You can find us on Twitter at takeone.fiomi or join our Facebook group by searching for Take One Podcast. I hope we have made your day a little more Talmudic and we will see you again soon.